nearly everyone has had a job that just simply sucked. In this podcast, we dive into the terrible workplaces that exist, either due to customer interactions, horrible bosses, bad culture, or environment. Tune in each episode to hear interviews and news stories of why work sucks. Hello, hello, hello. This is Brian Lamar, and this is another episode of Work Sucks Podcast, where we talk about all the things that makes the work life suck, uh, whether that's environment or uh, bad bosses, horrible Karen interactions. Uh, but in this case, uh, interviews. Interviews suck. So before you even get the job, before you're even at work, it already sucks because you got to go sit in an interview. Well, I've... Uh, I've, I've, as promised, uh, each episode is going to have an interview. Uh, we're going to try to have an interview with either somebody who has had an experience on the job where it just just simply sucked, uh, or uh, we're going to have a, a professional, like an HR person or recruiter, somebody who's helping you transition into that uh, that work life, or or somebody who helps you along uh, while you're in your job. Which in this case, it's a HR generalist, uh, somebody that's got an HR career background, uh, several years, uh, got got a, a master's degree in human resources, and uh, just an all-around pr- pretty cool person, in my opinion, uh, Courtney. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, Courtney, and just tell the, the listeners about yourself. Well, hello. My name is Courtney. Um, as Brian said, I have a master's degree in human resources management, which I obtained in 2020. Um, so mid-pandemic, I finished my master's degree. I've been in human resources for about six and a half years now and have done everything from retirement uh, planning to workers' comp to insurance um, and also sitting on hundreds of interviews and which is what we're here to talk about today is how to make the interview process suck less for you. Okay, so uh, earlier you sent me a list of, of things uh, basically it was the five things people can can do to to make their interview suck less. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna bring it, bring them up I'm gonna name them off and then we'll revisit each one. Uh, the the list that you gave me was eye contact, uh, dress or attire, um, attitude, uh, the questions that you ask during the interview or after the interview, uh, and then also just knowing what you want or knowing what you're looking for in an employer. And then there was a sixth one. It was kind of a bonus round uh, talking about the resume, having a good updated resume, and also knowing what's on that resume. So uh, I think somebody, somebody said, uh, somebody famous, I don't remember who it was. They weren't that famous apparently, but uh, they said uh, liars have to have really good memories because uh, if you're telling the truth, you don't have to remember anything that's not necessarily correct. So um, you want to make sure that your resume is, is accurate and reflects what you actually did so you can recall it during an interview in case you get called on it. But we're going to visit that again. So the first thing you said was eye contact. Tell us a little bit more about that. Okay. Well, I know that eye contact is not always the easiest for someone to uh, to have. Um, having to look somebody directly into the eye can be uncomfortable in a lot of situations. However, 
having good eye contact with the person or persons who are conducting your interview is really important because it shows them that you're engaged in what you're doing. It shows a bit of respect. It shows confidence and it just, I mean, it, it tells them that you are here and you're serious about this interview. Um, I can't tell you how many times I have been sitting in an interview and somebody's eyes are darting back and forth behind as something behind me and I'll stop what I'm doing and turn around and look. And not only does it take the attention off the person who is being interviewed, but it completely loses the focus of the people who are interviewing you, your panel or the one person who may be sitting in there. So, uh, okay. So first of all, we haven't said uh, with any degree of clarity uh, can you kind of give us an estimate of how many interviews you've actually sat in on? And she's making a face, you know, that, <laughs> it, it must be a lot. It is a lot. It's in the hundreds. I don't have the slightest idea. It's more than I started tracking count. So hundreds of these interviews and out of the hundreds of interviews that, that you uh, have sat in, can you pinpoint uh, a specific instance where somebody had bad eye contact or bad like manners when it came to eye contact that stands out in your mind. Yes. And that actually should tell you a lot is that out of these hundreds of interviews, I can pinpoint the few that had bad eye contact. I remember those interviews. Um, and one of which uh, the person being interviewed was staring at something on the upper wall behind me. And so I'm terrified of spiders. So instead of focusing on what they were telling me as they were speaking and answering our questions, I noticed their eyesight was going to the wall behind me. And so I turned around and looked because I'm like, is there a spider there? And again, it throws you off. It You're not, you're no longer paying attention to the person who is being interviewed. You're not paying attention to what they have to say, their experiences, their answers to the question. All of a sudden, all of my attention is shifted to what is behind me. And there may not be anything there. And there wasn't in this case, but that it just completely threw me off. So, you know, I just thought of this. Uh, I have a friend who I uh, enjoy talking to so much. I'm not going to say her name uh, in the podcast because I hope I hope she actually listens to this, but I'm not going to say her name. But there there is a she has a habit of looking kind of past you and over your shoulder while she's talking. And no matter how much I enjoy talking to this person, because uh, for some reason, our personalities match and everything, our senses of humor, our sarcasm, so that matches, it always throws me off a little bit. And I, and I forget what I'm talking about a little bit. So um, I, that's, that's one, you know, it's distracting, but also, uh, you know, I've been taught as a, even from a young kid, if somebody doesn't look you in the eye when they talk, don't trust them. So, there, I mean, there's a trustworthiness thing that kind of gets built in as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, what I was taught a long time ago and that it sticks with me now because I am one of those that have a hard time making eye contact with people. Um, but I was taught to look um, in between their eyebrows. So it it's very close to eye contact, but not directly peering into their eyes. And that has helped me out a lot. And if you have a panel interview, it helps to switch back and forth between the different um, panel members so that you're not just looking at one person 
consistently. Now, if it's just a one-on-one interview, the whole in between the eyebrow thing helps. You're more than welcome to shift your glance somewhere else, but make sure you get back on track and back into the eye contact with that person. So like an Anthony Hopkins or a Crispin Glover that's staring you down also without breaking eye contact, that could be that could be distracting as well. I, I'm just picturing Anthony Hopkins coming in and sitting down across the table from you go, hello, Courtney. <laughs> yes, for the love of God, blink once in a while. You're, you're okay. Um, I mean, you don't want to just stare and be completely focused on your interviewer 100% of the time. I mean, because that's a little weird. So like I said, it's okay. Break the, the staring off for a little bit. Look around. Get your surroundings. Look at your resume if you have it on the, on the table in front of you. Um, and, but then go right back up and get that, maintain that eye contact again. Okay. So good, good eye contact. It, it shows confidence. It shows trustworthiness, uh, whether you're actually trustworthy or not, it, you're still, like I said, marketing 101, you're trying to put the b- best foot forward. Uh, okay. So, all right. The second thing that you mentioned in your list that you had, you had said to me earlier was the way that you dress. Um, uh, so, you, you've got a, you've been in interviews, a range of people, all the way from day laborers to executives. So tell me a little bit about what what can people do right or wrong when it comes to the way you dress in an interview? No, right. Um, well, as you mentioned, I've interviewed hundreds of people from regular, you know, laborers who are out in the field all day long working manual labor up to executives who are making the decisions for those laborers. Um, The one thing I can tell you is don't come to an interview looking like you just rolled out of bed and that you don't care that you're there. Um, I'm not saying that you have to come in a three-piece suit if you're interviewing for a laborer position, but something clean, um, something, you know, ironed, not wrinkled, something fitted that has a good fit to you. Um, you know, goes a long way. I mean, even if it's just, you know, khakis and a polo shirt, I mean, that right there just at least gives a little bit of effort into what your look is. Um, I've had people come in for interviews for um, higher level positions who were dressed like their, their clothes had gotten ran over outside on the road in 100 degree weather 20 times over. Um, stains, holes, and you're just like, wow, they really don't care that they're here and they don't care about this position. Like we want them to care about it. So take a little bit of extra time to make sure that your clothes are clean, well-fitted, and at least the slightest bit professional. Okay. So I I can imagine. So if I were going to show up and I'm not a mechanic whatsoever, I barely got this podcast rig set up, but uh, if I, uh, if I was going to be going in for like some sort of tradesman, like a welder or mechanic or, uh, you know, something like that electrician. And I showed up with like maybe grease on my hands or face, you know, is that, is that something that, you know, shows me I'm, I'm tongue in cheek. I'm getting, I know that grease on your face is never going to be a good thing, whether you're applying for a, a ditch digger job or an executive job. So. But you'd be surprised of how many people come to interviews thinking that that's okay. And it does not, uh, it, it affects you negatively. So give yourself a hand, help yourself out be clean, be tidy. So I got to go back to the, uh, the the few people that you said that stand out in your mind who dressed po- poorly or horribly. 
uh, in your words, uh, for uh, an interview. Did any of them get the job? No. <laughs> no, to a, to a man that, or a woman, ne neither of them got the job. No, I maybe one out of all the ones that have that came in dressed poorly or dirty or unkempt. Um, but we typically would go with people who looked like they gave a little bit of a crap. <laughs> so the old the old saying, uh, "Dress for the job that you want, not the job that you have," is good. But uh, yeah, I heard the joke one time. Uh, you, they said dress for the job that you want, not for the uh, job that you have. And I showed up as Batman and I got fired. So, <laughs> okay. All right. So the next one, um, uh, attitude, the attitude that you display while you're in your interview. Uh, and I'm going to start it off. Um, RBF resting bitch face. So let's, let's talk about that a little bit first. All right. Well, Look, I understand that you can't help your face. Most people, I mean, that have RBF, they know they do. And they don't mean to come off as unapproachable, but it just is an unfortunate thing that happens. Um, smiling always goes a long way. I mean, I, I guess if you're if you're interviewing to be maybe a cop, having a little bit of like a, that stern, like... Mm. But look, I've sat in interviews for cops too, and... RBF is still one of those things where like, Ooh, you know, they're not very approachable, which I mean, <laughs> and it's not necessarily a bad thing in law enforcement, but you do try to find people who, um, who you believe the public would be comfortable talking to. And you want to be that type of a person, especially if you're law enforcement, um, you want the public to be comfortable with talk coming up and talking to you um, if they need help. All right, my mind's racing on on a, a, a job that would need somebody to walk in and sit down and have resting bitch face. I think like a bouncer to a club, <laughs> maybe have resting bitch face. Hey, you're our man, okay? Or, or a woman, I guess. I, I've never seen a female bouncer, but uh, I guess that could happen. Absolutely. Uh, we don't discriminate. Yeah, but I mean... I, I just I would I would wonder what the establishment would be that would cater to female bouncers. But anyways, <laughs> that's not the point of this conversation. We're talking about the attitude. So uh, not just not just the, the the friendliness or the approachability, but also the attitude of, of uh, you know, are they going to be a good fit uh, and a team player or that kind of thing? Oh, yes. I mean, and for mo the most part, um, the employer knows their team. They, they know what type of attitudes get along with other types of attitudes. They know their strengths. They know their weaknesses. And so they're looking some, for somebody to complement that. Um, but if you come in with a bad attitude, um, either because you really don't want to be there or because you're too cocky and you already think that this job is yours and you don't need to care about how you're coming across because your resume just speaks for itself, which I've had those as well. And they oh, tell us about that. Uh, um, well, just just say that attitude does play a lot. I don't know if I want to. Okay, go all, into right, all right, all right. So, oh boy, your your secrets are safe for this one. <laughs> I'm trying to get her to to tell something here. So okay, I, I get it that. Uh, that there are people who come in with a, a, a sour attitude or something, or, or maybe, maybe they just had a horrible day right before they get to the interview and they're just not in the, in the mental space. But have you ever interviewed somebody? Um, I'm hoping the answer is yes, but if it's not, don't, don't placate me or, or, or spare my feelings. But have you ever had somebody who obviously was not necessarily qualified for the job or the best fit for the job 
but had a great attitude and got hired anyways? That actually happens more than you would think. Um, because we look at them on paper, we look how their interview was and, you know, they may be pretty neck and neck. Maybe the person with more experience had a really shitty attitude and the person with just slightly less experience had a great attitude and you figure they would mesh well with your team. We're going to hire that person over the uh, person who had more experience or more education, but had the crappy attitude. So like a very charismatic cult leader would be more likely to get a job. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. I don't think you've hired any cult leaders that you know of, right? Not that I know of, no. Except for that one guy, right? Yeah, and he made Kool-Aid for everybody, so that was really nice. Oh, bad joke. Oh, too soon? <laughs> too soon. No, nah, it was the 70s. I think, I think it was the 70s. Before either of us were born... Uh, okay, so the next one was uh, not asking questions. What did you, what did you mean by that? Um, so at the end of the interview, your employer or potential employer will usually ask, "Do you have any questions for us?" Um, and it seems very lazy when you say, "Nope, I'm good," or "I think you've covered it all," because there's always something to ask. Well, I mean, what do you mean by lazy? Because uh, sometimes these interviews can go up to like an hour. And then you get to you get to the end, and you're like, "Well, I guess everything's uh, been covered." Uh, so what what do you, what do you mean by like they come across as lazy? How, well, how can they how can they not come across as lazy? Look, even a, just a very simple question, um, such as, you know, what is a typical day in this position like, or what do you expect out of the person in this position to do during a typical day? I mean, that's an easy question that you can remember to ask, and it may open up a dialogue with your a potential employer as well, which may lead into other questions. And it kind of gives them a little jolt and say, oh, they really are interested in this position. You know, I'm thinking back at uh, a couple of jobs that I really wanted and that I interviewed for. My resume made uh, made the, 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 what do they call it, the muster test or whatever. And uh, I got the interview. And at the end of the interview, they asked me, said, do you have any more questions? And I said, because the interview is an hour long and I felt like I was doing all the talking the whole hour. I was like, even felt like I was tired at the interview, like out of breath at the interview. And I said, no, I think we covered everything that I can think of. And I, and I left it at that. And you know, I didn't get that job. So I'm, now I'm like sitting here mentally and emotionally kicking myself <laughs> that I'm not sitting in Yokosuka, Japan right now because that job I didn't get because I was like, nah, we're good. <laughs> Right. No, and I'm not saying it'll make or break your interview, but it does kind of give the employers um, a little bit more of a feeling that you are really interested in this position, that you're really invested in it. You want to know more um, that you couldn't do research online for. And so you're digging into maybe more of the nitty gritty of the everyday. And that's always telling to employers. Okay. All right. So just a recap, uh, eye contact, uh, don't have, don't have bad eye contact, you know, look at them every so often, <laughs> look away every so often. Uh, and then also, uh, dress, don't wear clothes that are inappropriate. Like you're going out to the club boots and cats and boots and cats. Uh, and then also not too tight and not too baggy, uh, m maybe run an iron over it. Uh, if you don't have an iron, uh, I don't know, steam steam your shower uh your, your shower up and then hang it up on the clothes there I, i've seen people do that before they 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 just let the the steam from the shower just kind of knock the wrinkles out that okay so if you don't have an iron if you don't know how to use one uh 
And then also your attitude. Uh, RBF is a bad thing. Uh, also, um, you said that even if you're less qualified than the next guy, but you've got a better attitude that could win you over for the job. That's pretty cool. Absolutely. I, I didn't expect that. I mean, I, I guess that makes sense. I didn't expect you to say it the way you did. That that happens more time than, than, than you would expect. So, uh, And then also the not asking questions. Uh, the golden question that you said is what's a typical day in this job like? So uh, if you felt like you've already covered that in an interview, I guess you could kind of make a modification to that. You know. Yeah, and there's um, plenty of questions, you know, for – employers that you can ask you can google them um you know another one could be you know what are, what goals do you want to set for the person who gets this position in the first six months or in the first year um there's plenty of questions you can google to ask an employer so that you can have a couple in your arsenal just in case they covered that first question already you know it's funny i uh i asked when i was i think i was like 17 or 18 it's like a lifetime ago now, but I remember asking uh, somebody that I was applying for a job at a department store, and I and they asked me at the end of just this quick little interview, well, "You have any questions for me?" And I remember asking what kind of food options were around the store because I was thinking about lunch. <laughs> and as a 16, 17 year old, I was always thinking about my stomach uh, or other appendages. Uh, but uh, but anyways, uh, I was wondering about like. How many vending machines were in the area and like it was there a, like a Chick-fil-A nearby or something like that or a <laughs> Burger King? And, uh, you know, I didn't get that job because I ended up taking a job uh, at Hobby Lobby instead and because uh, they were offering a little bit more than minimum wage. But, you know, 17 years old. So I, that, I took that you know, the money talk. Um, but uh, I remember asking that question and thinking back on that. For a while, I was thinking, what a stupid question. But as I get like in old man status now, I'm thinking, well, that was a genius question because how far do you got to go to go get lunch? Because you only get like a 30 minute lunch in a lot of places. So, hey, it, you know, anyway, I feel like it's a valid question. So m many of you may disagree with me out there, but I guarantee there's a few of you going, yes, that was the most perfect question. And well, they can probably say, well, there's produce just right around <laughs> gross <laughs> produce you said it was a grocery store right no 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 it was a department store oh, it's it just filled with clothes and stuff there's there's nothing to eat in there so <laughs> uh, maybe some edible makeup i don't know but uh the last one that you said was uh not knowing what you want when you show up to the interview or not uh, knowing what you're looking for in an employer uh i guess that it, you know, I almost said partner, but uh, employer, not, not knowing what you, you're wanting in an employer. So uh, I remember one particular job that I asked for uh, or I interviewed for. And I was asked, what is uh, what is the perfect work environment for you to help you excel? And I honestly didn't know how to answer it. I think I bullshit my way through through it. And OK, but what is it that that I needed from that employer was it uh, flexibility or was it autonomy was it so so tell me a little bit more about that because that's an enigma to me as well well i mean and you're you're pretty much on track with that because right now it is a job seekers market there are way more jobs available than there are job seekers and so those of you who are out looking for a position you guys are in a great spot right now because you get to 
negotiate. You get to get more out of the employer of what you're wanting um, as far as schedules or insurance or benefits, any kind of um, perk maybe of working for that employer because they are hurting. And I'm not saying they're completely desperate, but they are hurting to find people to fill these positions. And so you're in a great spot if you know what you're wanting when you go in there. Um, Is it a hybrid schedule to where you can work at home a little bit and then in the office? Is it um, more money than what they initially advertised for? Is it, you know, the job duties that you want to change? I mean, go, go in knowing what you need from them um, rather than what they need from you. Because you already know if you've gotten to this point where you're getting an interview, then that's a great spot to be in because they need you. And obviously they feel that you would be a good fit. So that whole... Uh negotiation thing that that is uh, that baffles me because every time that I've been on the job market uh, it's because I wanted a change in my my career Uh, otherwise there have been people that reached out to me and said hey you want to come work here Uh, so but when I've been on the on the hunt I was just happy to make it as far as the interview so what it sounds like you're saying to me right now is that because there's more jobs than there are employees or potential employees, candidates for the job, you can kind of write your own ticket. Is that, is that what I'm saying? I mean, within reason. I mean, you can't go in thinking you're going to make, you know, 20 grand more than they advertise. I mean, you have to be reasonable with it. But uh, at this point in time, you do have that leverage where you can negotiate something within reason, um, especially if you feel very confident that you are probably the most qualified for the job. Um, so if, I mean, even after the interview, if they offer that position to you, you still have that leverage where you can say, well, I would love this position and I think it would be a good fit. However, insert your requirements here. You know, it's not like the, the housing market where you get to see like, oh, this was originally offered uh, for, for this price and it's been on the market for a year or whatever like that. So you could probably negotiate down. Jobs aren't really like that. You can't really, there's no Zillow out there for, for jobs like, oh yeah, this job's been vacant for six months. They really need somebody in here. They'll right. probably give you extra paid time off in a year or something like that. But it doesn't hurt to ask. It is a foreign concept to me as well, because once I got to the interview position, I was always like, yay, I'm so grateful to be here. And I'm so grateful that you're giving me this opportunity and giving me the job. Um, so I never negotiated and because I was just happy to have gotten the job. But Nowadays, um, and I don't know how long it's going to last, but nowadays it is definitely a job seekers market. So you can negotiate. Okay. All right. Well, so, so far we've talked about the big five, uh, big five mistakes or, or, or things that make interviews suck uh, or make people suck at interviews. Uh, eye contact, uh, the way you dress, uh, your attitude or how you, how you carry yourself, the questions that you ask at the end of the interview or during the interview. Um, and then, uh, going in there not knowing what you want or not knowing what you're looking for in a uh, job environment or an employer. The little bonus round question or, or answer that you gave me in the list that you sent was not having a good and updated resume and also not knowing uh, what's on that resume. That sounds like a story in itself, uh, that, that something you've seen in the past, but tell us about what you mean by that. 
Well, um, it is something I've seen in the past several times. Um, I'll give an example. Word has some great resume and cover letter templates. However, people will go on there. They'll leave, you know, the blanks in there or where it says insert your name here or insert organization here. And they'll leave it just like that. And so that tells me that they didn't proofread. They kind of were lazy about it, didn't look into what they should put on there. And then it also gives way into, okay, well, what's on their resume? Is what they say accurate? And then once you're into the interview process, make sure you know what is on your resume and that you can back it up. There have been numerous interviews that I've been in where the person would have some sort of experience on the resume, but then when we ask questions related to that experience, they weren't able to tell us anything about it. And you're like, well, you put it on your resume, but yet you don't know anything about it. So that's a big red flag. So I heard a story, uh, and I'm glad you mentioned it that way because you just you know, brought up a memory. I heard a story about a set of twins who one of them, uh, uh, yeah, I know you're a twin, <laughs> but it wasn't you. Um, one, of the tw- one of the twins showed up to an interview and they asked a bunch of questions about Microsoft Office Suites and automation stuff like that for secretarial and clerical type of office work. Uh, and they, they knocked it out of the park. They could tell you how to build an Excel spreadsheet with formulas and blah, 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 blah. You know, things that, that most of us can't recall from memory. But this person was Johnny on the spot with all the answers. And then when they got they, they got hired and when they showed up to the job they barely knew how to even open Microsoft Word and they're like what what happened you we interviewed you you were by far the most qualified candidate you had the answers to all the questions uh, to the point that the job panel they were uh, starting to blame each other saying that you gave her the question you leaked the question so she had a chance to, to you know, look them up and everything, but still she would have had to memorize so much data. Uh, But it turned out that it was a secret evil twin. No, it it turned out it was a, it was a twin scenario where one twin showed up to the interview, knocked it out of the park and the other twin got the job and showed up and didn't know how to do the job. I mean, that sounds like, like, I don't know, like some Agatha Christie, you know, level crap right there. But, uh, but I heard recently that it happened. So. Yeah, and I've never had that experience, but... (laughs) I would hope not. It's like a one in a million. It is. I mean, that's kind of crazy. But, I mean, if you're going in for a position and you see what the job description entails, don't don't lie. I mean, everybody embellishes on their resume, but if you put something on there, make sure you can back it up. Okay, all right. So that, that... Yeah. Make sure you can back up your resume. Make sure uh, like like uh, like the saying goes, if you uh, are tell the truth, you don't have to have a good memory. So if meaning if you tell a bunch of lies, you have to remember all the lies you told and, you know, you get caught up. So don't lie on your resume. Uh, and then also don't be lazy on your resume. <laughs> yeah. Make yeah, sure you proofread that, it. That whole like uh, the, the your name thing, that's like the equivalent of going to Hobby Lobby or Walmart, picking up a picture frame and just setting it on your, your, your nightstand without even putting your own family in there. Just so you got the, the fake family in there. And uh, Exactly. I mean, <laughs> I mean, to me, that label. just like just screams lazy. I mean, it just it, it shows me that you're not 
you're not prepared for this interview. You're not prepared for the position. You're not the best fit because you couldn't even bother to read over your own cover letter and resume. I'm going to admit to some stupid shit that I did not too long ago. Uh, well, it's been a while back now. I uh, downloaded uh, or, or got sent a resume from a friend who I, I really liked their format. It looked really cool and polished and sleek. And uh, I uh, renamed it as like sample resume or something like that. And then I was in the process of fixing my resume that way. Um, and I think I kind of finished it up. Uh, and then there was a job that I was saw that was closing that day that, you know, and I could electronically submit the resume and I accidentally submitted my friend's resume in place of mine. So it's got, you know, in the application, it's got all my, my information, but it's got my friend's resume. They didn't even Terrence Pringle. (laughs) It didn't even have my information on there. It didn't even have my like job skills or anything on there. You know? So uh, it, it, Terrence Pringle is kind of the opposite of who I am. He's more of an HR type person that that uh, was sharing some stuff with me. And of course, I didn't even get called for the interview. I'm sure that people looked at it, go, it, it looked at the resume and they looked at the application, go, what the hell is this? Is this a glitch in the system here? So, well, anyways, uh, I want to thank you, Courtney, for taking the time. Uh, we had to re-record this uh, because we we recorded it just a few minutes ago because uh, Safari uh, is not allowing recordings through Podomatic. So uh, we ended up having to, to, to do uh, a, another recording. So this is the second time she sat here with me today doing another 30-minute uh, interview. Uh, Courtney, do you have any parting words before we go? I do have one other thing I want to add. Um, social media. So social media is a big thing. Almost everybody has a Facebook or an Instagram or Twitter or whatever. So just know that your potential employer, if they can, they're going to go snoop around on your social media accounts and see what they can see. Um, There have been numerous times where I have gone into somebody's social media accounts and seen um, maybe not so great behavior or, um, you know, not great attitudes and it does not reflect well when you're trying to get a job. So um, I, what I was telling Brian earlier is keep it clean for the screen. Um, if you can set your accounts to private, great. If not, just make sure what you're posting on there is something that you wouldn't mind a potential employer seeing. So it, it's not just, just disorderly drunken behavior or, or potentially illegal activities um, out there that they get showed up. It could be just kind of a hateful attitude as well, right? Oh, so, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, because uh, at, at the end of the day, the employer is not only just looking for somebody who's very qualified for the position, but somebody who's going to mesh well with their team. And if you got somebody that's constantly bitching and moaning about their current job online and, and then dragging down their coworkers or their current job or their boss or whatever, no matter how, uh, accurate their depictions of the things of why their job sucks are. Right. It makes, and those are just it, red flags. It makes too. them look, look like a shitty person. You mm-hmm. know, uh, the bus driver in charge, just rolling that bus right all, all over everybody they're with. So, That's right. I mean, I get it. I get it. Why you would want to go and vent and everything. Everybody does it sometimes. You just, you just vent. But when you're out and again, marketing 101, putting that best foot forward, selling yourself to the masses, or at least in this case, to the, the job interview uh, panel. So, but again, Courtney, thank you very much for being on the show. We will have you back for some other things. I, I, I You've got a wealth of knowledge and, uh, you know, we, we're going to just take advantage of that on the show. Well, thank you for having me.
I All appreciate right. it. Hey guys, uh, I, I just want to say thanks for uh, listening in on that interview uh, with Courtney. That was great. Uh, Courtney's a, a really awesome professional in the HR field, and we we're really lucky to have her on the show. She's agreed to come back for some other things as well. And uh, just, you know, if you've got questions uh, for any of the people that come on our show, uh, be sure uh, reach out to, to Brian. It's B-R-I-A-N dot L-A-M-A-R 1453 at Gmail. And I'll, I'll answer all your questions or I'll have somebody like Courtney come back on the air to clarify or answer some more questions, uh, whatever it is that, that needs to be done. So I wanted to talk about, you know, I said that I would bring up some news comments, questions uh, that, that come up every so often uh, on each podcast. And <clears throat> I wanted to bring up on socialtalent.com funny job interview stories. Now, these have not been ver verified necessarily as true, uh, and there was one or two that seemed a little bit outlandish. I'm going to read a couple of them from socialtalent.com, and and I, I hope you enjoy this just as much as I do. So uh, some of these some of these things, uh, like I said, uh, are, are just absolutely outlandish. This one, the first one that I've got here, it's my worst job interview was, was my first ever to work at an architectural firm. I carefully laid out all the drawings on my bedroom floor, put them in a plastic sleeve in a portfolio, and then set off to the interview. Halfway through the interview, I flipped a page to reveal a curly pubic hair stuck right in the middle of a key drawing. Nobody mentioned it, but I wasn't offered a job. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. That's that's nasty. That's just absolutely nasty. I don't know if I'd offer the person a job either uh, if I knew that they were going to be turning in, <laughs> turning in and work on a regular basis with pubic hair on it. Um, okay, uh, poor guy. Uh, well, I, I didn't say if it was a guy or not, but uh, it, it says anonymous. I, I'd stay anonymous if I were you too. Um, okay, so the second one I have, it says um, halfway through an interview, this is also anonymous. Halfway through an interview, I managed to get my thumb rings stuck in my necklace and had to sit through the rest of the interview with my hand stuck to my neck. It wasn't too bad until one of the interviewers tried to shake my hand at the end, and I couldn't reach out to shake their hand back. That's pretty funny. Um, the third one we have, I don't believe this one, but, you know, stranger things have happened. Ten years ago, I was interviewing a potential employee. His resume was perfect. His education was spot on. Where he failed to it, where he failed was by attaching a full frontal naked picture on his resume. I still hired him, but it took all of my willpower to only ever look him straight in the face. I, I can't believe that. If somebody hired somebody after that, they they must be really hurting for candidates. Um, let's see. Uh, we'll go for for one more. Uh, that, that I really like. I once had an interview at a restaurant named Big Berry's. As I was about to go into the interview room to meet Barry, a current employee whispered furtively to me, he, he is really small. I couldn't keep a straight face after that. And the interview obviously didn't go well, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, um, just some fun, uh, interesting times interviews uh really do suck and and we've made some um some 
pretty good comments here with Courtney's interview that was earlier in the episode. Uh, but uh, I, I, th- I think that uh, some of the worst uh, times I've had as an adult human being uh, consistently was getting prepped for an interview. Uh, and also I'm a veteran and, uh, and I, I know that, uh, I've been told that the, that the leadership of this organization, and I'm not going to name the organization, doesn't care for the name of the podcast. <laughs> it scares them away. But, uh, I, uh, I have, I have enjoyed a certain, um, uh, veterans organization that has helped me vastly and getting prepared for interviews. I'm, you know, I'm going to name it. It's, it's a, it's an organization called the wounded warrior project. And uh, they have a great program called warriors to work. Now I'm, I'm advocating this for just veterans uh, because that that's the only people that can qualify for this, but veterans can go into the wounded um, warrior project and sign up for the warriors to work if they qualify and get interview tips. They'll even do mock interviews for you. They'll have some professional rewrite your resume. It is the whole nine yards with these folks. They're very positive. They're very professional and they do not suck. Uh, by any means. They are like some of the best people I've ever dealt with since I've uh, been a veteran. I really, truly felt like the envelope of care and compassion. Uh, like I had like a guidance counselor and a best friend rolled up into one with the Warriors to Work program. So uh, I wasn't going to mention them because I know that their leadership doesn't uh, doesn't care for the name of this program and, and I don't blame them. It's just kind of, it's kind of negative. Work sucks, but work does suck. Uh, lots of things about work sucks. Bosses suck. Uh, Karens suck. Uh, what's, I don't know. I know what the, um, the male equivalent to a Karen is. So anyways, uh, but that, you know, maybe, maybe let's just say Jerry. <laughs> it's very, sorry, Jerry. Uh, and sorry, Karen, but uh, you got that moniker for the rest of your life. But uh, yeah, so, so there's so many things that suck. I'm hoping to be able to use this show uh, down the line to get you guys some tips to help you out and or at least just have somebody to commiserate with when your life seems to suck because your job sucks. Because, you know, work sucks, but we got to do it. We like to feed ourselves and like to have a place to live. So, you know, put gas in our car. Uh, so, yeah, work sucks, so we deal with it. Thank you guys for listening to this podcast. If you have any questions, be sure to email the uh, the podcast, and uh, and we'll see you next time. This has been an episode of Work Sucks. Work Sucks is a podcast in the Lamar Communications Group. For questions or a chance to have your story featured on this podcast, email the host at brian.lamar1453 at gmail.com.